Kyle, thanks so much for joining us on Speaking of Making Healthcare Work for You, Different Perspectives and Empowering Solutions. I'm Stephanie Fields, joined by my co-host, Dr. Apoorv Gupta, and today we welcome Dr. Bruce Crooks, who is the uh, Charles F. Cruz Professor of Surgery and Division Chief of the Division of General Surgery at the Medical University of South Carolina. Thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We're happy to chat with you. And we are once again talking about innovation happening at MUSC. It feels like that, you know, is always what's happening there, changing what's possible. And it's always changing (laughs) something new on the innovative front. And so today we're talking about the use of robotics in emergency situations and community hospitals. And it's not new to use robotics in medicine, but it's new the way that you're using them at MUSC. So can you tell us what you're doing that's different? Sure. So our division is a division of um, acute care surgeons. So we take care of trauma patients, emergency general surgery, and then uh, most of us have elective practices as well. And for us, this is a uh, use of the robot beyond just doing elective surgical cases. So we're expanding its kind of um, uh, its purview over to emergency general surgery and in some cases, some trauma cases. Dr. Crooks, why is that such a big leap? Um, you know, maybe for the lay public to understand what's the difference between elective versus emergent. Uh, the technology has been out, as you said, for a while. So why is it a big leap to go from elective to emergent? Whenever you're operating on elective surgical patients, so those are patients that have been optimized where um, they're coming into an operating room fully optimized and ready for their operation on their day of surgery, right? So it's a planned timed procedure. With um, which allows you some um, uh, flexibility in how you schedule those patients and also some flexibility with your operating room staff so that they can take their time and you work things through. The, the difference here is that now we're taking patients that are truly emergency. So they come into the emergency room with a problem or they come into clinic with a problem that needs to be taken care of uh, on a more expeditious basis and we're getting those patients to the operating rooms in more time critical situations. It's interesting because it sounds like, you know, using it in elective situations, it kind of sounds like the robot is an extra enhancement, almost like a luxury, but the way that you're using it is almost like an additional member of your team or another tool for them to, to better optimize the care, like you've said. So how have you seen that in these emergency situations? So it, it's, I think you're right. It is, it is another tool. I think what's interesting to me about it is um, the robot has some abilities that, that are much different from straight laparoscopy. And in fact, you can do more with a robot, in my opinion, than you can with a straight laparoscope. So what that allows me to do is instead of taking um, patients that are relatively straightforward, the elective patients, I can take the more complicated, more physiologically disrupted patients and still get them a minimally invasive operation, which I couldn't do two years ago, for example, before we started picking up the robotic aspect of things. I think a minimally invasive operation is better for anyone. When it, it, you know, if you have your choice between a couple small incisions and a large incision, you'd always choose the, the smaller incisions. It's a faster time to discharge typically and less pain. And if I can get you that operation safely, I think that's a better avenue for the patient. And that's what we're, tr- what's, we're trying to strive towards. Is there, is there something then about the robot you mentioned that it's got some additional capacities? Could you describe what those are that allow you to use it in that way? Sure. So the, you know, I, I think it goes, so my background is I, I, I 
did a general surgery residency when back before minimally invasive surgery was really coming to the fore. And then I did a trauma fellowship and my mentors all laughed at me and said, oh, you're going to go do uh, essentially a fellowship in open surgery. And I said, yeah. And my incisions were all 20 centimeters and we jokingly referred it to as single port surgery. So it was one access point to the whole operation. So it was maximally invasive. This, um, the, the laparoscope is a good tool, I think. The robot is a better tool in that the arms on the robot articulate and allow you to do things within the abdomen that you can't do as easily with a straight laparoscope. For a non-minimally invasive guy like myself, this is another way of augmenting my abilities to do things in a minimally invasive fashion, particularly with the articulation of the wrists and the visualization that I get out of it. Have you seen that? You said that it helps decrease the patient's stay, the length of stay. How are you seeing that? What are your most dramatic cases for those? Probably my best example is I had a gentleman who came in who had been, um, had been stabbed in the abdomen and he had some abdominal contents coming through the stab wound. So for us um, in the trauma world, that's an indication to bring the patient to the operating room. Traditionally, we'd make a 15, 20 centimeter incision run through all their bowel, make sure nothing was injured, fix the injury from the inside to the abdominal wall, and then they'd be with me for three to five days, mostly for pain control. On this patient, I brought him to the operating room. I made three eight millimeter incisions, put a camera in, explored his whole abdomen with the robot, fixed his hernia from the inside, and I discharged him from the recovery room. So the advantage to me there is less pain, right? It's um, for my hospital administrators, that's a zero length of stay procedure, where in the past he would have been in my hospital um, taking up a bed for three to five days. And as you and I both know, in a big academic tertiary center where we're constantly full, opening up a bed for three to five days is a gold mine for, for me because I can bring other patients in that need that bed. So there's a lot of advantages to this, to the approach in, in the right patient population. Now, if he had been bleeding to death or something like that, there's no way I could have done it. But in the right patient, I think it's a good solution. So are you getting a lot of support then in doing that, considering that it has benefits not only to the patient, but also to, uh, to the medical center? Um, what, you know, what's the reception like to, to this innovation? My CEO has been thrilled with it. Um, it from my discussions with him and has given us a, a lot of support, particularly in getting the after hours use of the robot going. For, for them, they look at the robot as a sunk cost, right? They've paid the money to buy the robot. And classically, the robot's been used as an elective surgical tool. So it's being used from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. So the fact that my group wants to use that tool after hours, so it opens up another um, you know, another uh, 19 hours worth of access on the robot, less than 19 hours, but another period of time on the robot that no one had been using before. So we're getting return, more return on their upfront investment that they've made. What's it like for the patient cost? Is it more expensive or is it less or does it kind of, is it kind of a wash because it might be more expensive for the, the technique and the equipment, but they're staying far less time? So it, dep it depends on how you do the operation, the tools that you use to do the operation. We found that if you can do, um, you can do an appendix on the robot for less than it would have cost us to do it with a laparoscope, depending upon how you do the operation. Certainly on the patient I described before, where they would have stayed for three to five days, 
there's an immediate return on the investment, not only because we did the operation and we were able to discharge the patient home and save them for three days, but you also get more return because I can put another patient into that slot, quite frankly, and uh, take care of that patient, which is an additional revenue stream. Right. And so the long-term outcomes on this uh, also kind of uh, bear this out that, you know, once the patient is discharged, they've been safe at home, no returns to surgery and all of that. So thus far, we've done really well with it. I've been very pleased with our outcomes. Um, I think it's too early for me to have definitive, you know, two, three, four, five-year data. But so far, I haven't seen any major quality issues or difficulties with the use of the robot. How long have you been using it in this fashion? And then how do you use it in your community hospitals? So we've been using it uh, in this fashion for a little over a year. And, and in full disclosure, the way that we looked at this initially was this was a tool that I wanted to bring in for our elective practice. But the more cases we started doing, the more we realized that it would be perfectly useful for some of the more complicated things that we're seeing in the middle of the night, which tend to be the more difficult cases off the get-go, such that it was a, it's a progression. So we used it on the straightforward elective cases for a while, and then began, began to become more and more comfortable with the technology such that we began to apply it to more of the, the more ill patient population. The other component to that though, is that usually we're seeing those types of patients at night and after hours, and you have to build your team and get your night staff familiar with the robot and get them over kind of the inherent fear of the new technology to build the program. And that's been something we've been working on. And it's getting to the point, quite frankly, where now they know if I book a case after hours, it's probably gonna be a robot and they just set it up for us. And is there a regulatory hurdle as well, given that it's something new that you're trying out? Is it done under the auspices of a clinical study? No, it hasn't been done under those auspices. Essentially, it's a replacement for the laparoscope for, for all intents and purposes. It's just a different technique, um, but it allows you to do some more, more innovative kind of things uh, with the laparoscope. It to than you would be doing with the laparoscope. To a large degree, the robot is a tool that facilitates making um, some of the more difficult operations easier. Got it. You had also mentioned earlier, Dr. Crooks, that this is a really good option for you because you're not otherwise a minimally invasive surgeon. But for someone who is, is this also a good option or is it one or the other? I have a, I have a colleague that's done over a thousand robotic operations now, and he's a minimally invasive surgeon and it's his go-to tool at this point. He certainly, um, he's been doing laparoscopy for a long time and we'd have conferences and I'd watch some of the things that he did on, on video. And quite frankly, I'm always stunned. And I said, there's no way I could ever do X, Y, or Z, that really cool operation that he did. Cause it's just not something that I'm comfortable doing or better at. I think um, his preferred tool is the robot at this point because he finds that the visualization is better. The articulation makes things easier for him. And he's able to do even, even more advanced things than I had ever dreamed of. But what I found is that in my hands, the robot allows me to kind of get up to, I, I begin to, I don't want to say I'm even close to being as good as he is, but it's an augmentation of my skills as a laparoscopic surgeon. And you said that it helps with everything, even your wrists, things like that. It has just making it easier for you. Advantage of the robot is that it articulates back, forth, around, up and down, just like your hand would. And in particular, that makes sewing inside an abdomen a million times easier and more accurate. 
And that for me is the iterative leap that the robot gives you is the ability to actually suture within the admin relatively easily such that I can transition some of my open techniques that I do on a regular basis over to working with inside the abdomen comfortably with the robot. So I'm getting some, I can able to do some of the things I do open with the robot. In particular, hernia repairs are the big ones for me. That's really intriguing. So it must be an opportunity then for, um, for trainees as well. Are there more uh, students, uh, residents that are more interested in getting trained on this technique? There is no question. So one of the one of the things that I heard a lot from our residents were was they rotate in some of the community hospitals where they use the robot a lot, and they would come back to us and say, "Hey, how come we're not we're not doing it as much as we'd like to?" Um, and that to me um, made me a concerned. I wasn't giving them the training opportunities that they could that they had that they need for, for graduation but also that there was something going on there that I was missing out on and my faculty were missing out on, which was one of the things that spurred us to begin to look at this for hernias and it's grown since then. My residents are thrilled with the opportunity. They really enjoy working on the robot. And quite frankly, I would, I, I, my own vision thinks that in five or 10 years that the laparoscope will probably disappear and everything will be on the robot. But that's my own, my own vision into the future. Yeah, and, and that's been a cost prohibitive move for many hospitals, which have still not gotten into the robot. Uh, some have, and some have found that, like you said, it's just lying fallow. So yeah. even with those considerations, do you, you think the technique is so much better that, that uh, the robot will ultimately take over? I, I do think that. I think that one of the things that community hospitals are probably missing out on a little bit is the use of the robot in emergency situations for emergency general surgery, just like what we're talking about, right? Where you make the investment, their assumption is the robot's going to be used all the time, but all of a sudden after five o'clock, it's just sitting around and gathering dust and not doing anything. And by applying this to emergency general surgery, now all of a sudden you're opening up the use of that tool to after hours with the probability, with the, with the opportunity to reduce length of stay for patients, give them some good outcomes, but also afford the hospital more uh, room for patients that need inpatient beds. So it's kind of a win-win all around when you begin to apply this for emergency general surgery, at least in my opinion. Do you think that this is something that some hospitals outside of a teaching system may resist because it may seem just too, too good to be true? I think what you're going to begin to see, um, I think, is surgeons, as they adopt this in their elective practice, will begin to do the, the same iteration of what we did, which is say, why can't I use this on an after-hours case? There's no reason I shouldn't be able to use this tool, which I think is gonna give me better outcomes after hours. So I think what you're gonna see is you're gonna to begin to see a groundswell of this across the country. I don't think what we're doing is, is um, going to be unique in another year or two years because you're seeing so many general surgeons adopt the technology, it's gonna become more standard. It'll become more the rule than the exception. Do you have to tell patients that they're being operated on using the robot? Because typically like I'm thinking any surgery that you've ever had or that I've ever had, or my family's had, it's like, they tell you, okay, we're going to try to do this with the smaller incision, but if that doesn't work, mm -hmm. we're going to have to do this bigger incision. So I'd assume that that would be part of the conversation. And if it is, what is the patient reception to that? So hundred percent. So I always, um, 
tell them we're, we're gonna try to do this with a robot with, three, with a series of small incisions. If I don't think that that's safe, my number one priority is to take care of the patient and I will gladly convert it over to an old fashioned open operation the way I always did it. Um, and, and that's part of the informed consent process. I'm, I'm pretty passionate about that, that patients should know and that quite frankly, it's their body and their decision. I can give them advice and say, here's how, what I can do. You tell me how you want us to proceed. I think the patient reception of that is hundred percent. Let's, let's, Let's try to do it minimally invasively. If you can't, please, you know, use your judgment and be safe. And let's face it, if you came to me and said you can have a 20 centimeter incision or three eight millimeter incisions, which one would you want? I, I know what my choice would be as well. Are there specific patient experiences that you can think of uh, along the journey of, uh, of people that were just surprised at the outcome? I had a patient that I had a, a partner that was on on a Tuesday night. I had a patient that came in with a bowel obstruction. He did a full laparotomy, brought him to the operating room, um, and that patient wound up staying about five days when all was said and done. The next night that I was on, I had a patient, similar, similar story, small bowel obstruction. I brought him to the operating room. I used the robot, broke up all the adhesions. The patient went home the next day. So, it, you know, that's uh, the plural of anecdote is not data, right, um, clearly. On the other hand, though, the head-to-head the -head experience that I'm beginning to see is that it's um, the, the patient satisfaction is much higher when you can do it in a minimally invasive fashion with a shorter length of stay. And again, you know, quality is always going to be number one. It's going to be outcomes-based, and we got to make sure that we maintain good clinical outcomes. But thus far, I think in selected, the right selected patients, I think that you have the ability to really change how we manage a lot of things. What about using these techniques and being able to see medicine evolve? Say, you said, you know, when you started, you didn't even do smaller, um, the laparoscopic. You started with the major incisions and the major things, and now mm -hmm. you're working on robots. So what is it like for you personally to witness this evolution within medicine? Oh, it's mind blowing. So, um, you know, the, the best example that I have is, you know, inguinal hernias in men or groin hernias, which I've, I've done my entire career. So 20 years ago when I started, um, my entire practice was old fashioned open inguinal hernia repairs, make an incision. I do both sides. I'd have patients that were miserable. You know, they, I'd had some come back to my office two weeks later, still miserable from pain control issues and whatnot. You were not and a I popular guy in the community? <laughs> no, I was not. Um, and then, you know, probably 10 years ago, I switched over to doing a lot of them laparoscopically, um, the ones that I thought I was capable of doing. And now I've completely converted to, to doing all of them robotically. And I'm taking over more and more challenging patients, quite frankly, recurrences and whatnot. And my experience when I look back over that 20 year journey, it's been an amazing iteration of, of care where now I wouldn't even dream of, of offering someone an open operation for a, an inguinal hernia um, as a first line therapy. 
it just it's not even a, a consideration in my hands at this point because I think the outcomes are so much better and the literature bears that out. Uh, yeah, Dr. Crooks, I, I really find this fascinating. You you've talked a lot about your the evolution of your career and how you've gone from from open to minimally invasive, uh, but you've you've mostly talked about general surgery. I know that's your domain. Uh, mm-hmm. Is this not also possible in orthopedic surgery, urology, and other other spaces? Are you seeing that as a possibility as well? Oh, I don't think there's any question. And I think, you know, the, the number one users of the robot in our hospital are the, the uh, gynecologic oncologists and the urologists. I mean, they're very, very busy, very, very aggressive with the robot. And they're, my from talking to them, their practice has completely changed with what they're able to do and what the outcomes that they're able to get with the robot. By the same token, I can also tell you our thoracic surgeon um, or one of our thoracic surgeons has become in almost entirely robotic for almost all of his um, chest cases. And he's had similar experiences where he's just, he has, is in a position where he'll never go back um, to doing things the way he used to do them because of the, the, the advantages in pain control and what you're able to do with this, with the technology is just phenomenal for him. So I think it's a it's a tool. I think we're only beginning to see all of the iterations of where this is going to go and how much it's going to spread. I think it's going to be a really cool couple of years coming up as more and more people adopt it and we see where it's going to go. I think it's going to be fascinating. What would you tell people, a group of doctors, group of new doctors, when this new ro- robot shows up in their hospital, it's the first time it's revealed what do you tell them? What are, what's your advice to starting this path to using this and maximizing it? So, so the best advice I got um, was from some of the people who had been doing the robot for a while. And they said, the first couple of cases you do, you're going to be really frustrated. You're going to start it and you're going to say to yourself, I could have done this case in half the time. I don't understand why I'm doing this. It's really, it's really frustrating. It's really difficult. What, I, what they told me was hold on to about case number 30. At about case number 30, all of a sudden the light bulb goes on and you say, holy cow, what if I tried it for this? Or what if I did it with this? What if I did it with that? And all, suddenly this whole world kind of opens up for you where you begin to untap the potential of it and you become more comfortable and much more facile on its use. So one thing I would say, if it shows up on your doorstep and people say, start using the robot is be patient, Choose your initial patients very carefully, the ones that you want to be have good outcomes for and be safe, but take your time with it, learn it, be patient. The next iteration's coming and it'll it, it's going to be really neat when you finally figure it out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's really fascinating to hear how you've evolved that at your own hospital and what's coming in the future. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. And thank you all for watching. Bye-bye.